I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 10 Preview Edition. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am here once again to recap Thursday Night Football, break down the news across the league, and most importantly, help you set your lineup for Week 10. Of course, I cannot manage all of that by myself. I need help, and as always, that help comes from the importantnonsense.com, start, sit, savior, the waiver wire wizard. It's at that FF nerd. It's Jason Draven. Jason, how are you as we officially reach double digits on the season? Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I'm doing all right. It's just been one of those days and really one of those weeks, it feels like. And just another crazy, crazy game last night, which just blew me away. So I'm excited to get into this week's matchups and see what we have going on. One of those weeks, hopefully it doesn't carry into the weekend, and it is a pleasure to have you back, Jason. You're absolutely on fire lately, so let's hope we can carry that going forward. And I don't know if there's something in the water, but you've absolutely been nailing it, and maybe that's because you're worried about our other co-host, at Donald McJordan. It's Jordan McDonald back once again. Jordan, my friend, how's it going heading into week 10? Well, I feel really great that my team won last night, even though I was bad-mouthing them all day, and I was telling people, yep, you go for Titans plus one, and man, did that blow up in my face, but I'm happy my team won. I did have Taco Bell for dinner, so I apologize for the low energy I might be bringing to the show, but I'm going to power through it. It is such a joy to have you back on the show. Be sure to check out all the work that Jason, Jordan, myself, and a slew of other brilliant people have been posting on the daily over at importantnonsense.com and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at NonsenseFF. Make sure you follow Jordan at Donald McJordan because most of the time it will help make you smarter, but sometimes it will make you laugh because he's rage tweeting about the Colts. Thursday night football, though, not so much. So let's get into the action. Colts took down the division rivals, Tennessee Titans, 34-17. to Game was closer than the score, though. Titans led 17-13 to at half, and then it fell apart in the second completely. Titans were backed up on their own 10. Punter Trevor Daniel hit a 17-yard punt to give the Colts first and 10 on the Titans' 27-yard line. So not for the brand. Colts scored. Titans get the ball back, go three and out, and this time the punt is blocked. Colts score on the return. They're up 27-17. Titans just never recover. Just a bad day for the brand. Rivers put up another solid, unspectacular day, completed 74.3% of his passes, 308 yards, and a touchdown pass that went to Naheem Hines. We also saw Rivers back up Jacoby Brissett come in the game, scored a rushing touchdown on a QB sneak, because apparently Rivers is scared of them, I guess. Who knows? I mean, I just think that Rivers likes to have his consecutive streak keep going, so him being able to start and not get injured is probably ideal for him, being as old as he is. But... More importantly, I was excited because Michael Pittman was a player that I mentioned on the waiver wire show on Monday. And as Rivers, I mean, like I said, Rivers saw him, looked good before the injury. Last week was his first time coming back. He led the team in target. Had me interested. He paid off the week. He had one rush for 21 yards, super impressive, and caught seven of eight balls for 101 yards. 
He again led the team in targets. The biggest question is, who is the back to own in the Colts' backfield? This is so confusing to me. I feel like it has to be Hines just because it's Rivers, but who knows? It's it's a huge mess. It's like an Eckler, and I guess Gordon is split between Wilkins and Taylor. I, I don't know. It's very confusing to me. First off, I'm so happy that Pittman finally had his breakout game. It took week 10, but he's finally made himself a, a reliable receiver for Rivers. And I have to agree with you, Jason. I think Hines is arguably the best back until they start trusting Jonathan Taylor again. I don't know why they're they're starting to shy away from him. But, I mean, if they're winning, then it doesn't really matter. They'll go with the committee. But, yeah, Hines, just the PPR upside. Rivers trust the fellow NC State alum. And that will only benefit your fantasy team. You know, hopefully with, with the committee system that Indy started to use, Hines can remain valuable for the rest of the season. But it seems like every week we're questioning who is the back to own. So five catches, 45 yards, and a score from Hines. 12 carries for 70 yards and another score. All told, Hines ends up with 115 yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns on 17 touches. Jordan Wilkins, eight carries, just 28 yards. Jonathan Taylor, though, continues to break my heart. Seven carries, just 12 yards, although he did add two receptions, 25 yards. That was nice. However, this is Hines' backfield. He is Austin Eckler now, and Wilkins and Taylor get to split the Gordon Grinder role. And neither have any value because of it. It's I hate it. T.Y. Hilton returned from the injury he had in week nine. His view was suffering from a going injury. Played in this game. He caught four catches for 40 yards on five targets. But it seems like he's taking his nickname Ghost a little too literally. You know, he's not really have much value this season. It's hard to it's hard to keep him on your roster. Zach Pascal tied with Hilton for five targets, also caught four passes, and he got 33 yards. Jack Doyle missed the game with a concussion, which left more room for Trey Burton and Mo Ali Cox. However, both disappointed. Burton catches all three of his targets, 24 yards. Matt catches three of four for 19. However, he really should have had two touchdowns because Philip Rivers, if he truly believed in his arm and wasn't afraid to pull the trigger on four-yard throws to the flats, he would have scored twice. But whatever, that didn't happen, and I'm disappointed. We'll wrap up the Colts, though. And we bring you the podcast favorite kicker. Mr. Goggles, Rodrigo Blankenship, gives us a 10 on the day, 4 for 4 on extra points, 2 for 2 on field goals. You absolutely love to see it from the best kicker in the league that doesn't sing opera. Moving on to the Titans side of things, we got absolutely nothing from the passing game. Tannehill completes just 55.5% of his 27 attempts, 147 yards, and a touchdown. He managed to hook up on the very first play with A.J. Brown. That was great. Looked like things were going to go well. And that was Brown's only catch on the day. Had four targets. Instead, we got to see Corey Davis tie for the team lead in targets with six. Caught five for 67 yards. Why Corey Davis continues to get so many targets, I don't understand. Ties with Jonu Smith for the team lead. Unfortunately, Jonu only catches two for 14. Although he did add a rushing touchdown on an end around on the goal line. So that was nice. Yeah, the Titans had a receiving touchdown. You're probably wondering who that was. Well, that would be backup Dota Foreman, who has now been rostered by three quarters of the AFC South. Titans faked a, a dive to Derrick Henry, who was lined up at fullback, but instead they threw it to Foreman for the five-year score. Henry, however, ended up with 19 carries for 103 yards to go along with a six-yard reception. Foreman had seven carries for 18 yards. And Jeremy McNichols, who appears to be the RB3, although he should be the RB2, three carries at 26 yards and an eight-yard catch. 8.7 yards a carry to Foreman's 2.6, but whatever. Both these guys aren't worth your roster spot. 
The Titans did activate cornerback Adoree Jackson from injured reserve. He didn't play this week, and he hasn't played yet this season. Placed on IR and will hopefully make his season debut next week. And honestly, could the Titans make a run at being a little bit more attractive on defense? Not playing them next week, they get the Ravens, so no way there. But then they get the Colts again, which hopefully they rebound against. They get the Browns, the Jaguars, and the Lions. So maybe the Titans' D gets a little bit hot down the stretch with some reinforcement coming at cornerback. Jason, what other defenses, though, are we looking to, hoping they get hot in Week 10? Well, I mean, I was going to say the Colts, but since they already played, I guess I have to go really dirty here and say the Minnesota Vikings. This team gets the Bears, who the Titans really just smashed last week. The Vikings aren't the most outstanding defense, but hopefully this is a low-scoring game with the Vikings having time possession for most of it and running Cook all over the place. The other one that I'm also iffy on is Washington. Defense is good, but goes up against Stafford, who always seems to put together a game and continues to score. Hopefully he will throw a couple of picks and it will be uh, positive for you, but who knows? It's always tough there. Jason getting down and dirty with the defensive streamers. I love that. And so with those off-the-radar picks, Jason, you, you're you really hurting if you did do have to play one of those guys. Hopefully you're like me. You picked up the Eagles at the Giants, the Packers at the Jaguars, or the Saints versus the 49ers. But enough about defense, and I know my co-host on the Sunday show at the Real NWB, Nee Wallace Bruce, would slap me for that statement. But we must cut away and listen to the beautiful voice of our boss, at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, and a word from our sponsors. And we are back and into the news. And so the Ravens have signed veteran cornerback Tremont Williams, formerly of the Packers, because Jimmy Smith is doubtful with an ankle injury. The Giants will be getting back left guard Will Hernandez. He's been activated off the reserve slash COVID list. Some protection for Daniel Jones, which is nice. The Browns have sh- announced a player tested positive for COVID on Friday. The facility has been shut down, but there is no change for them this weekend. The Cowboys also placed D-lineman Tyrone Crawford on the reserve slash COVID list, as did the Dolphins with linebacker Kyle Van Noy, D-tackle Christian Wilkins, and practice squad receiver Matt Cole. The Dolphins will be without all three of them this weekend. Eagles had a staff member as well test positive. And as always, we do wish all those impacted by COVID-19 a full recovery, and our thoughts are with them. Bengals have claimed defensive end slash edge rusher Takaris McKinley off of waivers from the Falcons. And the Jets also claimed cornerback Corey Ballantyne off of waivers from the Giants. So the Bengals replaced one disgruntled defensive end in Carlos Dunlap with another in McKinley. I digress, though, and the Jets aren't getting any better on defense, so not that this really matters. And neither are the Texans. They see no up return from Gary and Conley. He has seen some complications that following an ankle surgery and will not return. So all three of these defenses will stay bad. Moving into quarterbacks, Drew Brees is limited again with the throwing shoulder injury, but clearly the shoulder wasn't an issue as Brees ate a W against his backup's former team. So Brees will start, Jameis will sit, Taysom will Taysom. Center Eric McCoy and right tackle Ryan Ramchek are both questionable this weekend as well. Baker Mayfield was activated off the reserve COVID list. Uh, he was placer on teams by, never tested positive. He was just at high risk contact. He'll be back this week. So Jason. How do you feel about his value this week? I actually think he's a decent one. I mentioned him. I'm pretty sure I mentioned him on the waiver wire show because I thought he had a good matchup and he's going to have to throw. So I think it's an awesome option this week. 
Ben Roethlisberger isn't practicing this week after sitting next to Vance McDonald on the flight home. McDonald later tested positive for COVID-19. Ben Roethlisberger apparently has been super diligent about the COVID protocols, taking them extremely seriously. He's reportedly very confident he will be cleared for this weekend. We'll get that word on Saturday. However, Ben is still allowed in the facility to rehab his two injured knees when the facility is closed and everyone is out of the building. Jordan Love was also activated from the reserve slash COVID list, giving the Packers back their third string quarterback that they spent a first round pick on. Imagine what this offense could have looked like if they drafted a guy like T Higgins instead. Oh, imagine just, Oh, would be beautiful. Oh, absolutely. Perfect. Michael Pittman. Sure. Give him that. Oh, awful. Anyway, Sam Darnold, he says he's feeling better. He's hoping to return following the Jets by. We'll see about that. Not that it really matters, but maybe the Denzel Mims breakout is coming. Moving on to our running backs, Miles Sanders is practicing after the Eagles bye. He says he's 100%. He says he's ready to play against the Giants, although it's kind of tough to imagine at this point that he's going to be a full bell cow, because every time they've tried that, he does get hurt. And I'm not a big believer in the term injury prone, but your best ability in the NFL is your availability. He hasn't been available, so it will not be surprising if they dial back his snaps a bit with Boston Scott remaining in the mix. Antonio Gibson missed Wednesday's practice with a shoulder injury, but he was upgraded to a full on Thursday, but he will be competing with Alex Smith's new BFF, J.D. McKissick, for touches in this game. Yeah, he is definitely his best friend because, man, they look good. Alex likes his check down, so I really think both Gibson and McKissick are good plays this week, especially in your flex spot. Nick Chubb practiced every day this week, but because he's not activated yet from the injured reserve, they don't have to tell us how much he's practicing. And so Kevin Stefanski says Chubb will meet with the team doctors today. They'll make the final decision. And if Chubb, Chubb is back, I am fully torqued. Joe Mixon did not practice at all this week with the foot sprain, and this is coming off the bye, which is not good. Looks like he's going to miss, so that will be four weeks, three games that Mixon is out, Giovanni Bernard is the operating as the starter. Not good for Mixon. Now stop me if you've heard this before. The Seattle Seahawks have injury troubles to their running backs. DJ Dallas and Travis Homer were full goes, even though they're dealing with injuries. Homer was limited on Thursday. Carlos Hyde missed Wednesday and Thursday, but he did return Friday from the hamstring injury that cost him two games. So there is a chance that he will be back. Meanwhile, Chris Carson missed all week with the foot injury. He's officially questionable, but don't expect him to play. I mean, Marshawn Lynch, anybody? Oh, let's go. Now, guys, it's not all fun and games on this podcast. Sometimes we have to deliver the sad news. So let's pour one out for our boy, David Johnson. Didn't practice this week after suffering the concussion earlier in the matchup with the Jaguars, and it will not play against the Browns. So congratulations, Duke Johnson truthers, all five of you guys. It's finally your chance to shine. and. It's also a revenge game against the Cleveland Browns. Kenyon Drake has returned to practice Wednesday, was limited all week with the ankle. Cliff Kingsbury says they want to make sure he's feeling good pregame, and if not, he won't go. So that's ambiguous as can be. And if he returns, though, that completely kills Chase Edmonds. I expect the Cardinals' running backs to go off this week. The Bills have done an outstanding job at making you fight them left-handed, and we see good offenses like the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes only had about 200 yards passing. He did beat them left-handed. They ran all over them with Clyde Edwards-Elair. So the Cardinals are a good offense. I expect them to adjust. I expect them to contain Kyler Murray, and I expect the running backs to feast. However, if Kenyon Drake is active, then we can't trust either of them, and it's just so disappointing because we're going to get all this great production that no one gets to use. 
sticking with the NFC West and confusing backfield committees, Daryl Henderson missed Wednesday's practice with a quad injury, even after having a bye week, which isn't great, but he returned on Thursday. He is slated to play on Sunday against the Seahawks, according to Coach McVay. David Montgomery missed Thursday and Friday's practice with a concussion. So check out tomorrow's practice reports for that because he is playing on Monday. So if Monty is out, it's null or nothing. And yes, I am considering Cordell Patterson as nothing. But seriously, though, it's tough to feel confident about any of the Chicago players outside of Al Robinson until they get a new quarterback or a completely brand new offense. Whoa, now. Okay, Mooney is still there and has actually been sneaking up in target share. So I also think, isn't Lamar Miller there too? Or am I just confused? Because if that's the case, he, I'd much He is on the practice squad. See, Lamar that's somebody Miller I'm interested in. I am not interested in the 39 47, whatever he is at this point, year old Lamar Miller. I know because you like Cordell Patterson. Exactly. I do love Darnell (laughs) Mooney, though. I just wish Nick Foles could hit him. And in terms of the new offense in Chicago, though, Bill Lazor will be calling plays now for Chicago after Matt Nagy relinquished his duties. However, he's never had a successful offense either. He's always ranking in the 20s back end of the 20s, maybe I think as high as 22 in his career as an offensive coordinator. Not going to help them much, but whatever. Allen Robinson's going to get a bunch of targets. I don't care. Mark Ingram could make his return from the high ankle sprain this week against the Patriots. Practiced Wednesday, missed Thursday, and then came back again Friday. Officially questionable, but is he is expecting to play. And this would officially kill all values running backs in the Baltimore backfield outside of, oh wait, Lamar Jackson. He's not a running back. He's a quarterback. If you say so. I am offended. Speaking of the Patriots, though, Damian Harris limited Wednesday and Thursday after leaving week nine win versus the Jets with a chest injury. Also has the ankle injury. Also has Sony Michelle possibly returning. Also has to compete with Rex Burkhead and James White. Also faces the Ravens out on the Patriots backfield. Man, I don't know if Harris is out. I'm actually excited for Burkhead because I think this could be a good matchup for him. But I completely agree on everybody else. I'm not touching that backfield outside of Burkhead. Sticking with the AFC East, Matt Breida practiced on a limited basis all week and is officially considered a game-time decision against the Chargers. Salvin Ahmed led the Dolphins' backfield in snaps and routes last week. Jordan Howard did his Jordan Howard thing, led, it, led the team in carries, and scored a touchdown on very, very, very paltry numbers. Patrick Laird got involved. They also traded for DeAndre Washington, who is eligible to play this week. Personally, guys, I don't like this backfield until Miles Gaskins returns. Devonta Freeman was limited Wednesday with the ankle injury and then aggravated it on Thursday and is now being placed on IR. So looks like we're going to see the Wayne Gallman show and he will be leading the committee buoyed by the good old Alfred Morris and Dion Lewis. So, I mean, that one's going to be tough. Because apparently it's still 2012 and Alfred Morris and Dion Lewis are still things. Moving on to the out section, though, Christian McCaffrey will miss week 10. But NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports that he really there's a realistic chance he does return for week 11 against the Lions after getting a second opinion on his shoulder. However, I do wonder what a third opinion would say. Because you don't get a second opinion if you're happy with the first opinion. Team Mostert will not make his return this week. Tevin Coleman didn't participate in practice this week. He will also not play. Jeff Wilson remains a couple weeks away from returning, which has NBC Sports' Matt Miyako saying Jarek McKinnon will be getting a lot of work in Week 10 against the Saints. However, this means nothing, though, 
Because as we've seen, Shanahanigans are impossible to predict. Maybe it's the Michael Hasty game. Maybe it's some random running back that we've never even heard of popping off. Yeah, or it's them just giving a tap pass to Ayuk and having him go. I mean, this is just crazy. Uh, Shanahan needs to decide what he's doing because McKinnon clearly has good legs. He's 100% blah, blah, blah. And then you see Hasty, and it, ah, it's just so frustrating for any kind of hope in that backfield. Until Mostaris <laughs> back, I can't deal with it anymore. Well, hopefully this will cheer you up, Jason. Austin Eckler put a video on his Instagram of him Let's running go. full of him running full speed with the caption, quote, the time draws near. He remains out, but looks like he'll be back somewhat soon. Justin Jackson missed practice all weekend, has officially been ruled out. Troy May Pope is practicing in full this week after his concussion, officially questionable, but is expected to return. And Chargers offense coordinator Steve Steichen said the team's backfield would be determined by, quote, the flow of the game. So be prepared to see all three of Joshua Kelly, Tro- Troy Maine Pope, and Zombie Kalen Balage. I'm excited for Pope, but more importantly, I'm excited for Eckler. Let's go. I want to see him back so bad. Oh, so much fun. I thought you were about to say you're excited for Kalen Balage, and I was about to walk out the door. I was, do- I was done if that was happening. Anyways, ESPN's Rich Chimini reports that LaMichael P. Ryan will be the featured back for the remainder of the season as the organization tries to figure out if he can actually be a future RB1, which I love this. This is a brilliant move. You have to see what you have with these young players. Stop wasting snaps on Frank Gore. So keep an eye on Perrine coming off the Jets by. Maybe someone dropped him just thinking that he's useless, could be an exciting pickup. If only the Detroit Lions could take a page from this and stop wasting carries on a running back in his mid-30s from their promising rookie. Like, come on, stop feeding Adrian Peterson. Or, you know, if only they had kept Travis Fulgham around instead of paying Danny Amendola $5 million. But whatever, it's the Lions, they stink. Moving on to our wide receivers, though, Juju Smith-Schuster misses traditional Wednesday practice, something he does every week at this point with the nagging knee injury, and then he returned in full Thursday, Friday, so he's full go for the weekend. We also saw John Brown do the exact same thing. He sat out Wednesday. It's becoming a regular thing for him as well, and now he's practicing in full Thursday, Friday. He is also coming off the best game of his season, going for eight receptions, 99 yards against the Seahawks. And it looks like they finally figured out how to manage his practice reps, keep him healthy, and now he gets a revenge game against the Arizona Cardinals. And I know this is probably crazy, but he really seems to be the cog for that offense. It really seemed that Allen was back to form this week. And the just without him, he just looks so bad. So I'm really hoping that Brown is what, really mixes this up and allows this offense to really continue to cook like it did in the beginning of the year. It just allows them to operate in those four receiver sets that they've been having a lot of success with. And it also just opens everything up underneath and lets Josh Allen cook a little bit. So that's great. Also is great. According to Sean McVay, Cooper Cup was limited on Wednesday and Thursday with a wrist and oblique injury, but now he's on track to play. He's officially been removed from the injury report. However, he still has a $500 higher salary than Robert Woods this year on FanDuel, and that's ridiculous. Robert Woods is averaging a full 2.1 points a game more than Cup, and now Cup's hurt-ish, apparently healthy. Pardon? Where Where is this coming from? Don't tell anybody. They'll know. Stop it. Jerry Judy suffered a, a shoulder contusion while he was toasting the Atlanta Falcons for seven receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown in Week 9. Although he did miss practice Wednesday, got a limited session in Thursday, but Coach Vic Fangio says that he is expected to play. At this point, if Judy's playing, you have to play him. 
He had 10 targets in week eight, 12 targets in week nine. Jerry Judy seems to be the apple of Drew Locke's eye, and it doesn't matter how bad Drew Locke looks because he's getting the volume. Tim Patrick is limited Wednesday and Thursday with his hamstring, but seems to be just a management thing. But he seems to be number four in targets, especially if Noah Fant plays. So it will probably be Judy number one, Fant two, and Hamler three. T. Higgins and A.J. Green were both limited at practice Wednesday, but neither of them had an injury pre-buy, so hopefully this is just maintenance and just a given off day. And LaVisca Chanel returned to practice Wednesday after leaving Week 9's loss against the Texans with just one reception, got in limited session Thursday, and then he did miss Friday, and he will not play for the Jaguars against the Packers, which is a smart decision, because why force it in a lost season? Keep these players healthy. DJ Chark was also held out on Thursday with an illness that is not COVID-19. Remember, the NFL is cracking down on players displaying any symptoms, holding them out of practice. So the Packers budding all-pro cornerback Jair Alexander is sidelined with a concussion. He is not expected to play, and if he doesn't, this could lead to a big day with Jake Luton going deep to DJ Chark. Do 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 do. DJ Chark. Do 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 do. Do 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 is Chark. correct because of the fact that I brought this up last week. Be- Luton just has an arm. I mean, you have to go with it. So again, I co-sign this. So pumped. Let's go. Six foot seven. Of course, he has an arm, and he looks better than Brock Osweiler too. So maybe he's the best tall quarterback we've ever seen. I don't know. Anyways, Nikhil Harry returned to practice Wednesday. Has been limited all week. He's been out since suffering a concussion against the 49ers three weeks ago. But it does look like in the meantime he's being usurped by fellow 2019 receiver, the UDFA. Remember, Harry was a first round pick. UDFA Jacoby Myers. Over the last three weeks, Myers ranks first in team target share. He's drawn 36% of the Patriots' targets. That's more than Devontae Adams at 35%, and the next closest to those two is Stephon Diggs at 30%. I hope you've picked up Jacoby Myers off waivers, and if he's still there, press pause on the podcast, add him, and then come right back because we've got more information for you. But 12 receptions, 169 yards against the Jets. Six games this season, Nikhil Harry has 19 receptions for 172 yards, three yards more on a season than Myers had in one game. I was wrong about Harry entering the draft. He was my wide receiver one alongside Andy Isabella. There's still a lot of hope for Andy Isabella. Don't get me wrong there. But Nikhil Harry is a bust. He stinks. Isaiah Ford also eligible to play this week, who I think is now better than Nikhil Harry as well. So that's great. Sterling Shepard was limited Wednesday and Thursday with his toe-slash-hip injury. His status doesn't seem to be in doubt, and neither does Golden Tate's. After apologizing for his t- Twitter post disparaging the team, he's back in the good books and out of the doghouse. So I'm not sure how much impact he'll make, but more weapons for J- Daniel Jones. Alan Lazard could return this week, but they may wait another week. It's still up in the air, and he has a true game-time decision this Sunday. Alshon Jeffrey is practicing in full for week 10, which is great. He's coming off the calf injury after coming off the foot injury, after coming off the illness, after I don't know what else he had. None of this matters. This is Travis Fulgham's team for 2020. Jalen Rager is the number two for now. In 2021, he'll be the number one. But Fulgham's team, Rager number two, and Dallas Goddard, he's playing again, and he's going to see a ton of targets. So no room for you, Mr. Jeffrey. Now moving on to the out section. Kenny Galladay didn't practice all week with his hip injury and will not play against the Washington football team. Debo Samuel remained sidelined Wednesday and Thursday, officially ruled out after missing Friday as well. Kendrick Bourne has been activated from the reserve slash COVID list, but personally, I'm going with Alpha Brandon Ayuk and wide receiver two now Richie James. 
Warren likely has fallen a little bit behind after missing all this practice. And Richie balled out last week. So I really do believe that the rotation going forward is going to be Ayuk, Richie James, and then Bourne, and then Debo Samuel will return. And hopefully he takes back over for Richie James. But we'll see at this point. Who knows? Miami, though, Preston Williams is the alpha. Drew five targets on just 11 routes, four receptions, 60 yards, and a score. And on that score, unfortunately, he did sprain his foot. He is now on IR. So while he's out, team has Devontae Parker as the wide receiver one, heavy air quotes there, because he's not treated like it. And then Jakeem Grant, Malcolm Perry, Lynn Bowden, who was activated off the reserve slash COVID list, Mac Hollins, who scored the game-winning touchdown this weekend, and potentially Antonio Callaway, who we're hearing may be activated off practice squad as well. Who is a baller? Tua is a wheeler, he's a dealer, and he's going to spread it around like Justin Herbert. But now that Preston Williams is out, he doesn't have his Keenan Allen, so there's going to be a lot of points scored. I love Tua, and I trust none of his options in the passing game. Nicole Hardman and the Chiefs are on a bye this week, but the young speedster out of Georgia was placed on the reserve COVID list, so make sure to keep your eye on that before next week to see if he's activated. Looking at the tight ends, Austin Hooper is practicing in full and looks to have fully recovered from his appendectomy. So if you've been streaming David Njoku or Harrison Bryant, you could probably put them back on the waiver wire for now. Noah Fant practiced in full Thursday with ankle injury after missing Wednesday and seems to be good to go for the Sunday. And Fant's teammate at Iowa, TJ Hawkinson, didn't practice on Thursday with a toe injury. That was a new injury. Did me a little bit of a concern, but he did return in full on Friday. Officially questionable on the injury report, but he's going to play. And with George Kittle out, Travis Kelsey on bye, Hawkinson is my tight end two on the week if he plays behind only Darren Waller. He's ahead of Mark Andrews for me. Hawkinson is the next big thing at tight end, and it pains me to say it because I am a big Ravens fan, big Mark Andrews fan, but it's TJ Hawkinson completely. Speaking of Mark Andrews, the Ravens did try out Canadian Luke Double L Wilson, the six foot five, 251 pound, pound tight end from LaSalle, Ontario, grew up only an hour and 20 minutes away from me. Was recently cut by the Seahawks because of their crowded room. He won't matter from a fantasy standpoint, but could this mean the return of the fabled Ravens three tight end sets from 2019, back when Lamar Jackson was actually doing really well? Are we going back to our roots? Are we going to see the Baltimore Ravens offense of old. No. Well, I really hope so. I always encourage positive Luke Wilson news on this. You're such a jerk, Jason. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> I, love, I love you. And I, ugh, Jason. Big Bobby Tanyan, you know, Robert Tanyan, is questionable against the Jaguars. He tweaked his ankle at Thursday's practice and missed Friday's practice because of it. You know, the Packers are known for being one of the stricter training staffs in the league, so if he's not a full go, then Tanya will probably sit. Keeping in the NFC North, Irv Smith Jr. finally made the impact when he scored two short-yard touchdowns, but he missed practice Thursday and Friday with a groin injury, so make sure to check the practice reports on Saturday to see if he will play for Monday night. He has a designation. Maybe let's wait and see if he'll do it again before we actually play him, considering he only had two receptions on three targets in his, quote, breakout game. Tyler Eifert is back to practicing in full with a neck injury. Caught four for 48 in Jake Luton's debut. So nice game from him. Patriots placed rookie tight end Dalton Keene on IR with a knee injury, which means both Patriots rookie third-round tight ends are out for at least this foreseeable future. Devin Asiasi was placed on IR last week. So this leaves Ryan Izzo, the 6'5", 256-pound tight end, who runs a 4'9'4", 
terrible, so slow, and has nine receptions for 114 yards on the year. They also signed six foot six, 277 pound tight end Jordan Thomas, who runs a 474, who they just claimed off of waivers from the Cardinals. Thomas had four touchdowns and 215 yards on 20 grabs as a rookie for the Texans in 2018. So he actually is kind of intriguing. Ryan Izzo is not. Moving on to our kickers, though, the most exciting part of the show. The Jaguars signed Chase McLaughlin off the Vikings practice squad, and we have been hammering the table all year for this. He'll become the team's sixth kicker of the year. McLaughlin, he was great for three different teams last year, finally settled with the Colts when Adam Vinatieri went to IR, lost out to Rodrigo Blankenship in training camp, which, like, you know, fair enough, he is the best kicker in the NFL, not named Justin Tucker, so... Oh, sorry, I lost to him. But then the Vikings had him on their practice squad, and they kept protecting him so no one else could steal him, no one else could sign him. Finally, though, they didn't do it. Jaguars finally signed him. And now Chase McLaughlin is a top 10 kicker in fantasy. Yeah, I said it. According to Ron Rivera, Dustin Hawkins is iffy for the weekend against Lions with a groin injury. So if for some reason Hawkins is your kicker, I don't know why he would be, but or if you're missing Young Way Koo or Harrison Bucker, although Bucker hasn't really been that good this year. He's only kicker 15 in terms of fantasy points. Anyways, ignoring that, what are we're looking for an upgrade at our ball booter? Jason, what other kickers should we be looking at? Yeah, we're going back to some guys that you've probably heard of before. Uh, Randy Bullock, still Bengals get the Steelers, should be able to move the ball, but we'll probably struggle to score because, oh wait, the Steelers are good on defense. So the other guy is Zane Gonzalez in a game where it should be super high scoring. Cardinals will put up points no matter how they do it, whether it's kicking field goals or extra points. He should be pretty solid. And I mean, it should just be awesome for him. I'm pretty pumped for it. Back to Randy Bullock, as always, just classic Jason. I'm imagining too many people took your Daniel Carlson advice and now he's too highly rostered for you to recommend because everywhere I didn't have Rodrigo in, I've got Carlson in thanks to Koo being out. With our kickers now in place, we will kick it to a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two or three player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yep. I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. 
just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. So we are back, and as Jason continues to not screw things up too terribly, I continue to kind of let go of my need for control. So let's hope we can keep this going, keep up the string of success. But before I hand over total control of the show, just a reminder, we will be starting with trust or bust for quarterbacks, and with trust being quarterbacks who are currently ranked outside of the top 12 of Fantasy Pro's expert consensus ranking and rostered in under 50% of leagues. Our busts, on the other hand, are quarterbacks who are ranked inside the top 12 of the ECR that we believe will miss expectations. And with that, it's time for Trust or Bust with the Nerd. Thanks for that intro, Jack. So we'll start out with quarterback. My trust is pretty basic here. It's Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, kid looked great last week. He is going to get the Chargers who give up 23.6 fantasy points to quarterbacks. Last week was his best week so far. This game should be high scoring. A battle back and forth of the back-to-back rookie picks. I am pumped for this. Let's go. You know, I've been debating with this one ever since I saw you put him here. You know, he gave us optimism with a rebound performance against the Cardinals. A lot better than the Rams game. But do we do we see more of Tua versus the Rams or more versus Tua versus the Cardinals? I know you're going to think Cardinals, obviously. I am a little skeptical with Preston Williams out. The backfield isn't what it, it is, so it might be throwing more. I don't think he's a must-start ter- territory, but yes, there's definite upside with this pick. Tuatuga Valoa is a damn stud. I said it on the Sunday show, and I'll say it again. After becoming one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of college football, Tua is already showing us that he's going to be a superstar in the NFL. I will not be surprised to see Tua versus Kyler in the Super Bowl within the next three years. Two at Honestly, two seasons, calling it now. Preston Williams is hurt, but Tua is just going to spread it around. He's going to let everyone else eat. He's going to beat the Chargers. He's going to have a great day in fantasy. Unfortunately, we can't rely on anyone else. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be Tua against the Cardinals again because of the fact that the reason you didn't see him versus the Rams is, oh, wait, their defense really stepped up. So with that in mind, the next guy I have is actually Drew Locke going up against the Raiders, who gave up 27.3 fantasy points to the quarterback position. Locke is going to have to throw and has shown he can get it done, even if it's just in the fourth quarter or in garbage time. I mean, he's looked so good. You don't want to watch the game because, wow, you never know when he's going to show up. But when he shows up, he shows up and fires it off. This should be a back and forth, really allowing Locke to put up points. And the Raiders, I mean, like I said, they're just not very good. And since returning from injury, Locke has put up, okay, in order, three points against Patriots. Not great, but eh. 13 points against the Chief, slowly stepping up. 19 against the Charters. Oh, and last week, he put up 29 against the Falcons. So I expect him to be between the Charters and Falcon, fantasy point-wise, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's really easy to put up fantasy points when you're playing garbage time against the Chargers and the Falcons' defense. 
You know, I'm not the biggest Drew Locke fan. I think I mentioned that last week because you had him in your trust and you were right about that. But again, I can justify this. I can justify starting him against an average pass defense in with Las Vegas. So yeah, if you are relying on a bye, bye week fill-in, not the, not the worst option. Yeah, the thing is, Locke isn't good. We all know that. But however, the Raiders aren't good either. But you know who is good? Jerry Judy. So Keenan Allen, arguably the best route runner in the league. I would say he's number one ahead of Devontae Adams. And he toasted the Raiders for nine receptions, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Jerry Judy, arguably already a top five route runner in the NFL at this point, which is amazing. He is so talented. The Raiders simply don't have anyone who can cover him. And they also can't cover Hamler either. And they also can't cover Fant if he's playing. So by proxy, Locke will have a pretty solid fantasy day. He just won't look actually good in real life. It's still only complete like 55% of his passes, but he'll have over 300 yards. And that's all that matters. We're not playing based on completion percentage. Yeah. And the good thing about Locke is just the fact that he isn't, he has, he's that offense is just so fantasy relevant. Everybody should be decent. You just don't know. I mean, you're going to assume it's going to be Judy. That's going to get a majority of the touches, but outside of their backfield, everybody looks good. And having all those weapons is great. Now, you're really not going to like me here, Jack, because I'm going to go into bust. And the first one's your quarterback, Lamar Jackson, going up against the Patriots who give 16.2 fantasy points to the quarterback position. What will likely give Jackson point would be his rushing floor. But even then, I just I, I'm not trusting Jackson to throw a lot. And this is always a run first team with that in mind. I mean, they like to play defense and allow that to win. And I just can't believe it. How dare you, sir? I will not even dignify this egregious take with a response. I will see you in New Jersey because everything is legal in New Jersey. I challenge you to a duel. And I have half a mind to just leave the show right now. Do you ever notice people actually get the most offended when they know that they're wrong? Because, man, this sucks. You're right, Lamar. It's, it, it's the Patriots' defense. They always make you fight left-handed. It's like the Bills' defense. I can't trust Lamar, and it breaks my heart. It's He's been so disappointing. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to agree, but it's t- it's tough because you drafted Lamar to be your weekly starter, so it may be hard to bench him if you don't have a, a good backup option. So he's slowly losing his value. I would recommend, if you can, sell high on him, see what you can get, gauge the market. As for this week, I expect Belichick to have a plan. You know, he they, Lamar Jackson embarrassed the Patriots last year, so I think there might be a little bit more ready this year. So yeah, I'm a little worried about this game, not going to lie. Yeah, and that's just the whole thing. You just you don't see Lamar throwing. He said in a press conference that he hears the defenses calling out their plays. Definitely something that always will shake up a quarterback no matter what they're doing. But if you're run first, that's what you do, and so it's tough for them. Moving on to my next bust, I have Ben Roethlisberger going up against the Bengals who give up 26 fantasy points to quarterback. So it sounds so juicy, but think that Steelers' defense comes out mad from their poor showing last week against the Cowboys, who actually did really well against them. Super frustrating. This week, I really think the Steelers he takes over the game, and so Ben doesn't have to pass. He's able to hand it off to Connor like we thought was going to happen last week and didn't. Ben had to pass so many times last week. I just think this week is not one you want to play him. I will say, though, I think you do have a point here just because Big uh, Ben went on the COVID list just because he was in close contact with Vance McDonald. So I think he lost a few reps in practice this week. So that might might impact him, especially for a guy at his age. And you were right about Ben being a bust last week, but I think he'll rebound this week. He's playing at home against, like you said, the weak Bengals D. 
I think it has the makings for a solid fantasy day, so I wouldn't shy away from it if you don't have a better option. All right, I guess it's down to me to settle a tie. I say sit Ben. He hasn't practiced all week. He's got injuries to both of his knees. Steelers are going to run the ball a ton, and if they do, they're going to take it easy on Ben. So pencil in still two touchdowns under 200 yards is what I'm saying from Ben. As we move forward into running backs, just a reminder that our trust our running backs who are outside the top 24 in the ECR, so an RB3 or lower, that we trust for our starting lineups for Week 9, and our buster players inside the top 24 that we think are going to miss expectations. Yeah, so starting off trust, if he plays, it's going to be David Montgomery. Or David, golly. Yeah, David Montgomery, okay? He should be solid play if he's healthy and goes. I love his matchup. I really just think he's going to be an impressive player. I really like Duke Johnson, but they moved him into the top 24 this past, well, I guess yesterday, because I checked on Wednesday, and he was completely fine at, like, 28. And, of course, all the experts decided to move him up. So I like David Montgomery. Or, like I said, if it's Miller or whoever ends up being the back there, they should have an awesome day, and I'm just pumped for it. Uh, so I, I wish you had kept it with Duke because I completely agree with you there. And I'm by no means a Duke Johnson truther, but I do think he's gotten a raw deal in the NFL. The man was the all-time leading rusher at Miami. He had more rushing yards than Frank Gore. He had more rushing yards than Edger and James. He had more than Clinton Portis. And he had more than Willis McGahee. And he's been extremely efficient in the NFL as well. 4.4 yards a carry, 301 receptions for his NFL career. And this could finally be his time. David Montgomery, like... If he plays and he's healthy, he's going to get the volume. If he doesn't, I think it's going to be a committee and I'm not in on it at all. Wow. So we're doing two running backs here. So, okay, starting off with David Montgomery. I, I can't trust it. I, you know, he's got an extra day. He hasn't been practicing and he hasn't been good. I love David Montgomery. Don't get me wrong. I'm one of the biggest David Montgomery fans you'll ever see. But the offense isn't doing him any favors. He's not getting the rush yards he needs. And sure, he's he's picking up some some targets of the passing game, but it's not helping his value at all. So I would, I would be hard. I, I wouldn't rely on him on a Monday night to salvage your fans week. I'm sorry. Probably keep him on the bench. As for Duke Johnson, you know what guys, there's an imposter among us. I am one of the five truthers for Duke Johnson. I think he, there it is. Oh, we found you even though you admitted it. I, you know, I've been on David Johnson all year, so it just it would just make sense for me to be on Duke. This Texans Cleveland game, the weather's supposed to be terrible in Cleveland, so it could be a running game for both teams. Well, it will be for the the Browns. Don't get me wrong there, but the Texans run game has been pretty bad, so there's no guarantee that he will put up those points. There is risk involved, but I mean, if you're playing him as a handcuff to David Johnson or you need injury, I think I think you can uh, you can pl- put him in and feel somewhat confident. Yeah, there's just too many points there for Duke, for sure. But again, we'll move on to the next guy. It's Salvin Ahmed. I mean, my worry here is that Matt Breida might be active and takes away some of the work, but this is a good matchup against the Chargers. Give up 28.8 fantasy points to the running back position. With that in mind, I'm also still worried because Howard's there and still is the lead back. Getting the goal line work, driving me insane. I don't understand why they don't just use one running back Blows me away. There are plenty of points to go around between the running backs here, so all could be viable, but I do think that Ahmed is the guy who's going to be used more and will be the checkdown player. Jason, I can't believe you just gave up on Jordan Wilson so quickly. Who else is going to join me at the weekly Jordan Howard fan club meetings? 
Yeah, I get it. I, it's just a goal line thing. That's where you have to do, unfortunately. If he's, he's going to score, but with it being PPR, Ahmed's clearly the guy to me. No, 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 Jason, you are right. You are completely right. Salvin Ahmed led the team in snaps. He led it in routes run, and he led it in rushing yards. So boy, Jason. You nailed it. Let's hear your butts. Yeah, and this makes me sad because it's Melvin Gordon. I think Lindsey really has been the better back, and while I like Gordon and he should be okay, I just I don't trust it. I don't think he gets enough work to be the top 24 running back that he should be. Matchup is great for him, but Gordon hasn't looked good. I mean, this team... Also looks like it has transitioned to being a throwing team because that's what they're good at. <laughs> With Locke throwing it and all the pass catchers there, you pretty much have to go that way. Vegas allows 21.6 fanny points to the running back position, which, of course, I mean, because it's going to be probably split, doesn't bode well for Gordon. Yeah, once again, we question why Gordon decided to go to the Broncos in the first place. At best, this backfield is timeshare, and like you said, they're starting to favor Lindsey more. More and more each game, and of course, hashtag free Royce Freeman, man. And never Melvin Gordon. That's just brutal, okay? But the next guy is even more shocking to me. I don't understand how they keep putting him up there. But Ronald Jones, again, the experts have him, I think, at 20, which is too high for me. I mean, Fournette is clearly the back to own in the backfield as he continues to show his talent and ability. If he remains healthy, he should continue to get more and more usage. He commands it. He commands more touches. The last time these two teams met, Jones was saved only by a touchdown. He put up seven touches for 23 yards. Meanwhile, Fournette put up 12 carries for 103 yards, two touchdowns, and he also added four receptions for 13 yards. I feel that if healthy, Fournette has another big game here. Man, I really hope you're right. Uh, just as long as they don't get behind quickly and completely ran and abandoned the run game like they did in the Saints game and had a historic lack of rushes. I'm telling you, they had five, full, five rushing attempts overall, which was a new NFL record, and one of those rushes was a Blaine Gabbert kneel down. So I just want the Buccaneers to stop kidding themselves. Give Uncle Lenny the majority of the touches he deserves. He is clearly the better back. Yeah, never Ronald Jones. I know both of him and Fournette stunk versus the Saints, but Fournette outsnapped Jones 33 to 16, ran 25 routes to Jones 11 in the blowout. Fournette also tied for the team lead in targets with six, caught all six of them for 41 yards. As the nickelback in Bruce Arians' offense, Fournette is going to have a five target a game floor and get carries on top of it. We have to be ready for Fournette to show me who he really is. This is how Fournette shows me who he really is. And that brings us to receivers. And just give us a quick reminder that our trust at wide receiver are players that rank outside the top 36. So a wide receiver four or lower in the ECR that we can start this week. And our bus at receiver are players that are inside the top 36. And we are expecting to miss expectations. I'm going to stop using... Leonard Fournette at any point if you keep doing Rockstar. It's driving me crazy. Using Nick Backline is driving it's me crazy. It's every week, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we'll move into wide receiver trust. Jalen Rager. This is one of the players I am more confident in this week. Richard Rodgers in the first meeting against the Giants put up six for eight, 85 yards. John Hightower also added one of two for 59 yards. Both were field stretchers against the Giants. So Rager now going to command that is better and should have a game where he puts up eight plus targets and over a yards. a solid outing for anybody. The Giants also give up 41.8 fancy points per game to wide receivers. So pretty pumped for Jalen Rager this week. 
And the best part for Rager is that Travis Fulgham is the wide receiver one, so he will be getting the shadow coverage from Giants CB1 James Bradbury. And since giving up two touchdowns in week one to the Steelers, Bradbury's given up one touchdown to three interceptions. His 55.2 pass rating allowed is the sixth best of any quarterback to play over 50% of their snaps. So I'm not saying sit Fulgham. I'm saying it'll be tough. Rager, on the other hand, though, he gets the cornerback two of the Giants, Isaac Yottam, and last week he was terrible. He let all three of his targets be caught for 109 yards in a score because he's a borderline NFL player and shouldn't be a starter at all. The one thing that worries me is that the Eagles are continuing to get healthier. Miles Sanders is back. Elshon Jeffrey's back, and I know you guys aren't big on Elshon Jeffrey, but consider they didn't trade him, and he'll be there. Probably will come in some target share. Dallas Goddard's hopefully back to full strength, so... Yes, the fav- Rager does have a favorable matchup, just as long as he doesn't get lost in the group of pass catchers that when suddenly has at his disposal now. Yeah, and I can see that. But again, it's not something I'm worried about. The next person has me a little more worried. It's Shaquem Grant. With Preston Williams being out and Parker likely getting Harris, who should be back and healthy, I think this game is fantasy points galore with Jakeem Grant, Jacecki, or Smythe, whoever they decide to use, and we'll find the end zone. Again, however, last week against the Cardinal, Grant was tied for second on the team in targets with Preston Williams. Grant had five targets, catching four of them for 35 yards. Williams found the end zone. Now going against the Chargers, that gave up 31.3 fantasy points to wide receivers. I like Jakeem Grant this week. So I've, I've said it several times. My worry is Tua is going to spread the ball around even more than his opponent, Justin Herbert. Preston Williams was his Keenan Allen, and now he's out. But that does raise the floor of Grant. And it gives him the ceiling, in fact, is Casey Hayward will be shadowing Devontae Parker. Jakeem Grant in his 4-4-2 wheels instead get a chance to run by Michael Davis, who's not even the best Mike Davis in the NFL. What a shame that is. So something, a little cool stat that I found out today when doing research that Jakeem and I actually have the same birthday, which means that I automatically support all of his endeavors. And that also explains why I'm the only one still rooting for Marcus Mariota. Anyways, I kind of think this is a little risky. I, I love the the possible upside just because Preston Williams out, but he's never seen more than five targets in a game, so maybe that changes this this week. But like we said, like Tua loves throw the ball around, and considering Jakeem Grant hasn't done much as a wide receiver, it does worry me a little bit. Yeah, and moving into the bust here, okay, I'm pumped because it's Darius Slayton. We saw him get Slay last time. He struggled. Last meeting, he put up two of three for 23 yards. Ouch. This team should get after Daniel Jones again and could be an excellent defense to throw out. I'm just saying, if you need somebody and you, they're available, you should grab them and play them because it should be good. He only needs, I get it, okay? Darius Slayton really only needs one to be able to rip off a huge game, but I don't think it's going to happen. Team only gives up 35.9 fancy points to the wide receiver, which not an ideal matchup or situation for Slayton. So, guys... Do you know what happens when you see a lot of Darius Slay? You have Darius Slayton. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, well, it, it's such a sad fall from grace by Slayton, but it's not all his fault. It's the offense and the quarterback holding him back. So it's hard to rely on Slayton any of these games rest of the season until we see this offense start to start to click. And, you know, since Saquon went out, we haven't seen that, and it's been two months now. So if not now, then when? Yeah, and I get it. So we'll move on to the last guy, Marvin Jones. He was sixth in targets behind 
wow, pretty much a bunch of people, but Amendola is clearly the wide receiver one with Galladay out. Hawkinson is stocked to have another good game. Jones was saved last week by a touchdown. I don't think that happens this week. Team gets a tougher matchup than last week in the Vikings. <laughs> I know, pretty impressive to say it's a tougher matchup, but still. This week, Jones gets a team that allows 23.6 fantasy points to wide receiver. Yeah, that's the Washington football team, just to get that under your mind here. This team should struggle. And again, like I said, it should be a good game for Swift and Hawkinson. I talked about this last week on the Big Boss Show with our bosses at Nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, and at Nonsense underscore Neil, Neil Smith. But it really does seem like these 30-plus-year-old receivers have struggled with the lack of the offseason. And with Galladay out, Jones gets primary coverage, which he can't handle at this point in his career. So the next big thing, TJ Hawkinson, is the play in the Detroit passing game. Yeah, exactly like Jack said. I'm going to fade Marvin Jones Jr. just because the, the team is going to play him as the wide receiver one, and he's going to have his production limited. But Jason, you also made a good point. People don't seem to understand that the team has a great passing defense. And all of that considered, fade Jones this week. That will bring us to tight end, where our trust are players outside the top 12 that are rostered in under 50% of leagues that we like this week, and our busts are players inside the top 12 of the Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Rankings that we believe will miss expectations. Yeah, and again, I'm going to throw it out there because it's there every week. It's Logan Thomas. I know. Can't stop myself. He's still seeing great amount of targets. And with Alex Smith coming in, I think this actually helps Thomas. It helps McKissick. But Thomas should see enough targets, do well against the Lions, who give 15.4 fantasy points to tight ends. Jason, your logic isn't wrong, but I am convinced that you literally have Logan Thomas as your trust every week. Like I feel like you just copy and paste and just change the name around of the team that he's facing. And I am convinced it's a great decision. So Logan Thomas averaging 4.3 targets and 3.3 receptions and 0.6 touchdowns a game over his last three. So we know J.D. McKissick is the big beneficiary of Alex Smith in the passing game. But he, we also know he's going to eat against these terrible lines, linebackers. So Logan Thomas will as well. 6'6", 248-pound and runs a 4-6-1. The dude is just an athlete, former quarterback. And who are you going to cover him with? Jelani Tavai, the 250-pound linebacker, who runs a 4-9, the sixth worst coverage grade on PFF. Or are you going to get Jamie Collins, who's giving up 12.2 yards catch, 70% completion rate? Just get out of here, Detroit. Just, yeah. Yeah, bringing up a guy who, again, I'm iffy on, but it's Sir Smith. The Bears have a def decent defense, especially against wide receivers. I think this helps Smith as they allow 14.5 fantasy points to the tight end position. It also helps that he gets high-value touches and looks as he continues his streak of scoring. If he is healthy this week, he has that same chance. So I think it was last week I wrote about Irv Smith and how he's lost considerable value this season based on the hype in the preseason. And then he went out and scored two touchdowns. So I can't really down-talk him anymore, or else it's going to end, end up making me look bad again. He saw that he's a good red zone target. I know the usage was low, but if he can establish himself as a red zone target for Kirk Cousins, could have value this year. And moving into bust, okay, we're going to start with Robert Tanyan. Great matchup, but I think with Alan Lazar potentially being back and the fact that Tanyan was hurt today or out today definitely has me worried. Lazard was the red zone guy, and when he got injured, Tanyan came in. Now, I think that reverts back to the Lazard in the position. It also doesn't help that this game is an excellent matchup for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. They may not need to use anyone outside of the big three. Yeah, this is completely dependent on if he plays or not. Same with Lazard. They're both possible uh, possible not be able to play this game. 
But if he does play, we'll have to see. He hasn't really done much since his three-touchdown performance against the Falcons, except for 12.9 output, PPR output against the Vikings about three weeks ago. If Lazard is back and Tanyan plays, he will be losing targets to him, and then he solely becomes the TD-dependent fantasy option. Yeah, and the last guy is, again, my forever bust. It's going to be Jared Cook. Michael Thomas is back and kills Cook's value. I don't think he needs to be used, and lesser targets make me nervous because less valuable touches. It also doesn't help that the 49ers have a good tight end defense, only allowing 8.1 fantasy points per game to tight ends. Yeah, and it's another tight end who loses his value based on the return of another receiver. You know, he's losing production from other tight ends on the roster like Josh Hill and Adam Troutman. And he's even losing production from a backup quarterback in Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is stealing this guy's targets. Like, come on. He also fumbled last week and might not help his chances. I don't know if that'll put him in the doghouse because he is he is a big threat in the red zone, but it's not looking good for Jared Cook owners. That's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. And I don't know how you keep doing it, Jason, but you keep making sense. And I'm going to ride your wave of success as far as it will take me. Jason, do you have any parting words for all of your friends out there listening and hanging on your every word? Nah, man, I'm just ready for the weekend. I hope everybody enjoys football, stays healthy and safe. Have a good weekend. Enjoy it all. Be sure to follow Jason at that FF nerd for all your start, sit, and waiver wire needs he really is a jack of all trades wait no that's me i'm jack he really is a jason of all trades and we have a jordan of all trades as well jordan is wonderful getting to talk to you once again do you have any parting thoughts for your fans in the metaphorical stands yeah thanks for listening guys and always thank you jack thank you jason for bringing me on i had a fun time and hopefully our analysis can help you guys with your fancy weeks be sure to follow Jordan at Donald McJordan and be sure to follow along with all the fantabulous work that all the important nonsensers are putting out on the daily at importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at nonsenseff. Thank you all for joining me. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh, and it has been an honor, as always, to preview the weekend lineup for you. I'll be back on Sunday for the Week 10 Recap Show, along with my co-host at The Real NWB, me, Wallace Bruce, and at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chansey. So until then, stay safe, wear a mask, good luck with all your matchups, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!